Hello and welcome to the Data Protection Tea Break. Helping young people stay safe is fundamental to a civilised society. Many worthy people have spoken about how we can judge a society based on how it treats its most vulnerable. The risks that vulnerable people face changes over time, and for our children, the risks the world around them poses today are very different to what, as adults, we may have faced in our youth. In particular, the online world, social media and games may offer fun and social interaction, but can also pose threats. There may be uncertainty about where the data they capture is stored, shared and who can gain access to it. For example, if we think of what we may have called stranger danger, it's raised that to another level, as that stranger danger could now be in your home through a connected device. I'm Kirsty Bugle, and in this episode I speak to Matthew Parker, Chief Information Security Officer at Morant in Guernsey, who has dedicated many hours of his free time to helping educate the bailiwick's young people about online safety. We're very lucky that in the bailiwick we've had dedicated professionals giving up their free time to help educate young people about how to stay safe online for a number of years. I would estimate that the most prolific of these is Matthew Parker. He's been visiting local schools for more than 11 years, and I'm very grateful that he's taken the time to join me today. So Matthew, hello, welcome, and thank you so much for coming. Hello, thank you for inviting me. And as I mentioned, I mean, your name has cropped up many times for me as I've worked in schools in various roles. So you've been going into schools now for a very long time to help educate young people about cybersecurity and keeping safe online. So what made you do that in the first place? What was your inspiration or eureka moment that made you decide to start doing that? Well... First and foremost, I'm a parent and I have children and they were growing up with this technology and internet and all these new types of devices coming out and games and coming at you from all angles. And I worked in security and I've worked in cybersecurity now for over 20 years. And uh, I'm a member of ISC Squared, which is a global certification body for security. And they put together this program called Safe and Secure Online. So as soon as I saw that, I thought, wow. That was my eureka moment. I thought well, there's an opportunity here to bring that program to Guernsey because nobody else was doing anything at the time. Um, there was nobody else going into the community and, and doing anything of the sort. So it was a very clear gap for so me. You were very well placed being an expert in the field and, as you say, being a parent, seeing the things that would start to worry you. You were perfectly placed to I, do that. I was, yeah. But it's still, you know, still learning something new every time. I wouldn't say I know it all. Um, I don't think it's it's possible to know it all, to be quite frank, when it comes to uh, online safety and security, because it's just, it moves so quickly. Um, the goalposts keep moving and, and uh, yeah, you, you can't just keep up with it all the time. Do you find that is a challenge, even with a, you know, if you're operating a program that has been set up for people, professionals like you to go and, and deliver? Do you find, though, that trying to keep on top of the technology is a real challenge? It is. It is absolutely a challenge. Uh, the content I got from ISC Squared was was great. Um, They're an American organisation, so it was very Americanized. So I customised it really for more what was more suitable for our um, our location and our schools and, and also our maturity with these things because you know, we, we tend to be a little bit behind the curve on some things here in Guernsey. So it, it, some of the content just wasn't quite appropriate. Um, also, because I 
because I'm voluntary, uh, I only uh, go in uh, to year six. I, I can only spread my time so thin. It's a, it's a lunch break. So so um, because of that, some of the content was also, you know, you have to tailor it for the age. Um, but there, there are some things that absolutely remain and are consistent. But what changes is the technology, is the game, it's the platform, it's the social network, it's the medium by which children and grown-ups use that's the ever fluid bit um for me i don't think you can keep up with it and and i think if you think you can and you can stay ahead of it then you're fooling yourself because quite frankly nobody could you know the professionals that work day in day out on this stuff you know they're they're constantly finding new things and and coming up with something that they've not come across before so yeah don't don't think that you can know it all no, from a, I'm a parent as well myself, and it's actually really quite terrifying to think of the possibilities that they have now on these devices. That, I mean, I think if we were honest, most of our probably from age year six up, they probably do have a device of some sort that they have access to, and we can only do so much, can't we, to try and we can't really police everything they do, but I guess it's that educating them about thinking about what they're doing that's the important part. It, that's the most important bit, absolutely. I, I think you, you can police it to a certain degree. Um, when, they're, when they're of a young enough age, you can certainly put the controls in place over whatever they're using and, and monitor and manage it appropriately. But yeah, they come to an age where you know they, they want their more they're going to be more independent, aren't they? And and you're the last person that they're going to want to talk to about something because you're the person that stops them from doing everything they want to do. So, yeah, it's 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 very difficult. Um, there has to be some sort of cusp there where you 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 have hopefully given them the right lessons, the right rules, and they've had the right guidance along the way, so they know what to do when something happens that that is out of your control. Mm. Have you found it's changed a lot over the many years you've been doing this in your own time voluntarily, which I think, you know, you're a hero. Um, but have you found that the, the receptive of the children, what they know, has changed a lot over the years? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. And I, and I would say that's largely driven by pr- partly inappropriate content, access to, to material that they just shouldn't be accessing. Mm-hmm. Their awareness of some things still surprises me and others so I partly I, I, one of the other things I do I sit on the online safety committee for our schools so we're we're one of the you know we're a group of of various um backgrounds so we've got education we've got law enforcement we've got share we've got myself and telcos and other people who are all involved in this and the stories that that come out is like oh lord you know you just you just don't know from one time to the next, what's what's going to come out, and and it, it's very, um, when when we're not as naive, I think, as as largely. I mean, I'm 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 being very broad there. I mean, there are some extremely naive children. There are children who even don't have access to the internet that I come across in some of some of the classes I go into. So we're going from one opposite end of the spectrum to the other and and for them they're being left out of so many things which is a shame for them because they're not part of that peer group they're not involved in the conversation they don't know what that latest film is they don't they haven't got the references that the other kids have got so they're being left behind and left out and the other end of the spectrum we've got these kids who think they know it all uh, and are are using opportunities to come out with stuff and you think oh 
you just shouldn't know these things at your age. You shouldn't have had access to that content or that type of video and that kind of game as well. You know, gaming is a is another another mm. thing of concern. I think what's in, in some of those games? It's a very fine line, isn't it, that we try to tread between obviously um, enjoying and allowing the opportunities that this technology can offer and the good things it can offer, but then paired with that is those those risks and the things like you say they might be exposed to that they shouldn't be at that age absolutely and and yes, parents are the ones who are no doubt buying the game or at least allowing these games to be played let's take, just pick on games for a moment and game, don't get me wrong games are great i play computer games you know gaming has its place and, and it can add a lot of positives it can add a lot of collaboration skills teamwork skills yes for a lot of children it's also a good way of socializing and um, so you know there is a lot of positivity that comes out of these things but it's about whether it's appropriate or not and you know just like films they're age rated and they're age rated for a reason um, i'll never forget the there's one kid i don't know years ago you know he thought he was really good at this game because it's an age rated 18 and he could play it because that must show he's really skilled at playing that game like yeah, that's not why it's eighteen. No. You know, it's the content. It's it's the you know what it exposes mm. you to in that game, and the, the game makers who make these things—they're not making them for children. It's the grown-ups who are allowing children to play them. Yeah, it's a complete lack of awareness, isn't it? And um, yeah, parenting has moved on in the same way that technology has moved on, and we've got to try and keep up. We have, um, but yeah, there's, there's got to be some sort of rules in there. We, yeah. you know, we wouldn't let them go off and watch an 18-rated film on DVD at a friend's house. I'm sure we, if we knew that was what they were going to be doing and they're 11 years old, then quite clearly we wouldn't let them do that. Well, I'd like to think we wouldn't mm. let them do it. I know I wouldn't let them do it. But, you know, it's not appropriate, is it? But but I think there's a there is a bit of a disconnect with gaming in particular. And I think parents aren't gamers then they don't understand what that content can look like. And, and there's plenty of homework we can all do. Um, in the parent talks, I do I do parent talks as well um, you know, when, when we can get those organised. So, you know, I, I do share content of some of these games because they've never seen something like this. And they're like, oh, OK, now I understand. Yeah. Um, a bit eye-opening. Mm. Because just some of the things that's depicted even in the in the background of these games is really quite alarming, isn't it? And then the the actual activities that are taking place yeah. really quite horrifying like you say we wouldn't let them watch this in a film so why would we let them see it in a game absolutely so thinking about things like those new technologies where do you sit with things like ai and chat gpt i mean have you know has your work been influenced by those sorts of things not yet uh, i would say it's going to creep in it, it's it's interesting isn't it mm-hmm. um, I've, like many other people i've been playing around a lot with chat gpt uh, also, Mid Journey for the AI image creation. Um, amazing what you can do. I mean, some of the images that it's you're able to create on these things is like wow, it's, it's so lifelike, but also you know so bizarre sometimes. It's like wow, you just couldn't be able to create it any other way. ChatGPT is interesting. I think is where I mean you see the call recently for many technology leaders to call a halt on some of these aspects because clearly there are concerns about how embedded it's going to get into our communities and into our industries. So, yeah, for me, it's a bit of a watching brief. It hasn't quite hit my industry so much yet, but it's only a matter of time. Microsoft, for example, are pulling in um, the chat, the um, OpenAI 
part into Office 365. Mm-hmm. It won't be long before it's embedded fully into security tools. So then are you going to allow the machine to make the decision on what's going on mm-hmm. on your computer network? Or are you going to still want to take a look at what's going on? Uh, that's that's interesting yeah. and potentially dangerous. Absolutely, because the AI that it's using is only as good as whatever's been programmed into it, isn't Absolutely. it? So, yeah, if you're turning over these decisions in terms of an, a company's security to a machine that can only learn from what it's been given, well, I know they carry on learning, but yeah, yeah, that's quite frightening. <laughs> it, it, it is a bit. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the, over the coming years. I mean, for students... Growing up with this now, are they going to become lazier? Mm. Are they going to do less research? Are they going to do less of their own time? Because, well, I'll just log into ChatGPT and ask it to do, tell me uh, whatever on this topic. And there you go, you've got your 500 500 words and you're done. Uh, Move on. Uh, Yeah, it's got the potential to do that, I think, which is quite worrying. And also uh, there's a lot of conversation at the moment about regulation, isn't there? Because obviously it's always the way, unfortunately, with technology. The technology comes along first and then regulation seems to come after as an afterthought, you know, made possibly when things have gone wrong. Yeah. Um, We're kind of in that again now, aren't we, with things like the AI being so embedded into things all around us, but without regulation. Yeah. But who, who would regulate it? That's yeah. the question, isn't it? Who's, whose responsibility is it? And that's a tricky one, mm-hmm. again, to to get to. Um, yeah, it'd be interested to see where it goes. Slightly moving on, because obviously with what you've been doing, I mean, you have been you know, such a great force for good in the island. You know, you've done such a lot of work off your own bat, you know, for voluntarily. Um, and it kind of links in with this social initiative we have called Project Bijou, um, that encourages people to share their stories about ethical data use, for example, and why they think it matters. I mean, you have been doing so much, um, which is, I think, very ethically based because obviously you want to do this for good. And how do you think what you're doing relates to data protection or the ethical use of data? Or you know, what is your bijou story? My, my bijou story? Mm-hmm. Um, I, when, I, when I go into the classroom, we do talk around that as well. So I, I, don't, I don't leave the data protection bit out. I don't just concentrate on the security aspect. What we do talk about typically is around understanding the, the trustworthiness of who you're handing over that information to, and not just blindly handing it over. Uh, tend to talk through a scenario around online shopping. So let's say you've got this toy, whatever it is, picture it is in your head, it's £45 normally on Amazon, um, but you've only got £25 and you found it somewhere else for £25. Are you going to hand over your data to that other website? How do you know who they are, who they say they are? How can you trust them? You know, what sort of what sort of things can happen with the information that's handed over as well? Um, so that normally generates quite a bit of interest with the kids. Um, yeah, so yeah, just trying to embed all of these sort of good behaviours. What, what I do find is, and in particular, when we go on to, I do a lot of work around passwords as well, choosing good passwords. Let's face it, grown-ups are terrible at choosing passwords. <laughs> write it down on a post-it. Write it on the post-it, <laughs> no, but let's pick a word, let's take a number, let's join the two together and think that's that's job done. And it's like, no, that's just not good enough. And you, and you look at all the, the lists that come out every year and the most commonly shared breach passwords, and there's always the same ones up there, and they're, they're usually generally rubbish so just trying to make sure that the kids have a sort of a, a good a grounding of, of all these you know is it a trustworthy site 
okay, I can trust that site. When I'm logging into that site, I want to make sure the information I'm using is appropriate. So I'm choosing a good password. Um, we, we sometimes get onto multi-factor authentication. It's, it, it's, it's a, it never fails to surprise me what the kids will come out with. Um, what one thing this has absolutely helped me with over the years I've been doing this, my presentation skills and knowing how to think on your feet. Because when you're in a classroom of children, you never know what they're going to come out with next. It's like, okay, I didn't see that one coming, but all right, let's think about that for a moment and turn that around into something that we can maybe hopefully use positively. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's all different aspects, I would say. What do you think keeps you going and you know keeps you wanting to do this year after year? Well, because it's a need. <laughs> it's, you know, there's there's a need. There, there have been um, other things going on. Hopefully, help um, embed this further into the community. Uh, so we're hopeful that there will be a, a digital safety development office there in place soon, um, which will help. Uh, so that will be a, a role that will be far more focused on this area. Um, at the moment, you know, it, there are, as you say, you know, there's a few voluntary people out there doing their bit um, but it's, it's not enough you know we, we need to make sure that people are in the schools they're in with primary they're in with as soon as they get their hands on a device we're having these conversations with them um, the world's moved on yeah you know, and when we look at what happened with covid and the lockdowns and and the impact of what's happened off the back of that in terms of online abuse it's scary now in terms of the, the, the numbers of images and are now being self-generated by children um, and the access that, that people have to children to a device that's got a webcam, got a straight in their, into their bedroom. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the stories are just beyond heartbreaking. It's terrifying, isn't it? It, it is. Grooming and the way it's been, it's just so easy now for these people. It, it is. Um, but but what is, as I say, what's been noticed, CEOP, um, the child... Um, exploitation online protection body have noticed a massive increase in that self-generated image so they're being persuaded coerced blackmailed mm. you know whatever whatever means to to then make those images or take those videos and and to perform acts as well on video for the gratification of others and and, and that's that's scary mm. and often that's facilitated isn't it by the um gaining of personal information so these people for example will gain the knowledge of where you live and information about your family and they will threaten them yes using information that you know so your personal data you might think it doesn't really matter what i share but actually it's the using of your personal data that sometimes enables these people absolutely yeah and and sharing sharing images with people and and once they've shared an image with somebody again there's something to talk about in classroom but again it's like oh it's just got to be reinforced so many times and, and it's an, it's the part of the challenge the biggest challenge is you know I, I have my snapshot of time with, with that classroom of kids are they going to remember everything we speak about in that hour probably not uh, if we can we can bang in some a couple of things that hopefully they take away and they take back home then that's that's great um, but it's got to be reinforced doesn't it it's, you know same same in a work environment I'll ask people you know, these are the policies, these are the rules, please don't do that, please don't do that, please don't do that. And, and you've, got to, you've got to keep reminding people of, of all of these things, haven't you? And then hopefully it becomes muscle memory. 
That's what we want to get to. Yeah, we should just instinctively do stuff to keep ourselves safe. It's like putting a seatbelt on in a car, isn't it? We don't really think about doing it anymore. Yep. You just get in the car and put your seatbelt on. Yep. And the amount of times I, lock, I leave the house and I can't remember if I've locked the front door or not because yeah. I've done it. Yeah. It's just muscle memory. Mm, um, yeah. Absolutely. That's what we want. Yeah. And um, going back to when you first started out, what got you into the sort of arena that you're that you're working in and still working in now? Cybersecurity? Wow, well, yeah. I, I, I've worked in IT before that, so... I was fortunate enough to work with um, someone called Carl Seelum. Um, so we worked together and we worked at the same organisation and I had an opportunity there to, to join him because um, I'd been in IT, in an IT technology and uh, sort of an engineer type role for a good number of years and I really wanted some new challenges and so an opportunity came up to go and work with him and so I joined, joined him um, and never look back so yeah I mean, it was just one of those light bulb moments for me um, like, this is so exciting it's interesting it's ever-changing it's challenging you never know what's coming next uh, so I like that um, it's, it's just nice to be able to sort of I mean, don't get me wrong some days I, I think oh it'd be just nice if something didn't happen today you know you have those days where I think I'm going to be doing this this and this today and then something comes in and derails everything completely. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I won't be doing that. Oh, I'm now doing these things instead. But that's that's nature of the job, absolutely. What would you have, like a one take-home message then for for the people listening to this podcast, so generally data protection professionals, what one thing would you like them to remember from this and take away? What well, one thing... Um, Play a part, I think. You know, we, we can all do a bit and we don't have to be experts in, in security. We don't have to be experts in in other things. You know, we, we can all play a part. And, and phishing emails is a good example. I think you know, we'll all get those things, I'm sure. I mean, I get plenty. And we'll get the, the junk emails, the spam, the phishing, the, the credential harvesting attempts, all those sorts of things. Well, we should be sharing that with our friends and family, you know, making sure that everybody else is aware. Because sometimes we, we take it for red. We, we might assume that they're going to look at it and think, oh, yeah, they're going to spot that's a, that's fake. But they might not. Um, and especially the, the elder in our community, um, you know, the scams that you hear of, romance scams, all the other things that people fall for. Um, you know, making sure they're as aware of these things as possible. Because... Mm. As a community, there's a lot of connections here, isn't there? You know, we're, we're a small community. We know a lot of people, but it doesn't take much for the impact to maybe one small organisation. It could be a hairdresser. It could be a garage. It could be whatever, you know, a shop of some kind. It doesn't have to be the financial services community. You know, we have all of these other industries and communities that kind of left at our own devices a lot of the time. So I think, you know, the more we talk about the stuff, the more we share these things better protect we are together it's a very good point actually isn't it because we tend to just think about the big institutions and corporations that we have operating here as the places at risk but you're right it's it's the small businesses as well like we've actually seen some incidences over here it's those smaller operations that perhaps don't have experts like you um and and also educate our family and friends to just be more careful yeah who will they who will they turn to Mm. well 
you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about with the year six students? I mean, is there one thing that, like you say, I mean, it's all about reinforcement and they're not going to remember everything that you say to them. If there's just one thing that they went away with, what would you like that to be? I'm torn to pick, to be honest, because there's so many important things tried to cover off do a, do quite a lot of online bullying do a session on that we, we watched through a video um it's a very moving video i don't know how many times i've seen it now countless times and uh, but still you know you, it's like oh yeah you just you can see the potential outcome of that so if there's one thing it would be just be nicer think twice about these things mm-hmm. you know don't join in it's if it's a bit of banter well is the person at the centre of that going to feel like it's a bit of banter or are they going to feel like you're bullying them or harassing them? So I think be be nicer, be kinder online. I think that's a really good point because that comes back down to everything we try to do as well, like with our Project Bijou and everything and other things that we work on. If we just remember that at the heart of all these things is a person and just to be kind to each other and be kind to that person, then a lot of these things we've talked about wouldn't really be an issue. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so many of those tragic stories we hear in the media, just, they wouldn't have happened. So, Matthew, thank you very much for coming in today and giving some more of your free time, like you've been doing for a number of years, to children across the Bailiwick. Um, it's been really interesting and helpful to get more of an insight into the things that you do and the technology and the things we need to be aware of. And don't forget to catch up on other episodes of the Data Protection Tea Break. You can listen through your normal podcast provider. And if you want to know more about Project Bijou or get in touch, please visit our website at odpa.gg. Thanks for listening and goodbye.